What's up and welcome back to another episode of the Academics Podcast. I'm your host, Justin D. Barnett. On today's episode, I'm speaking with the very talented Troy Gary. Troy currently holds the role of Director of Originals Marketing over at Stars. If you're unfamiliar with Stars, it's a TV network owned by Lionsgate. Programming on Stars includes TV shows like Power, one of my favorite shows ever, also Power 2, Blind Spotting, Outlander, and more. I first connected with Gary through a mutual boss that we both shared at different points in our career. Shout out to Kelsey. Troy has a really dope story and has had an exciting career thus far, which we'll get into more during our discussion. Here it is. Enjoy. What's up, everybody? This is actually my first interview after a long hiatus from the show. During the break, I had a chance to meet a lot of people. Um, I switched jobs a couple times. And when it came back time to resume, I, I, I thought of someone that, that I made contact with earlier last summer. His name is Troy Gary. Troy, you were the first person that came to mind as, as a potential guest on this show. So I'm really excited that you know we've got to connect a couple times in the past, but now we get to connect for this. So yeah, welcome to the show. How are you? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you for the kind words. Happy, happy to do this. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, let's jump into it. Like, would, would you mind starting us off with, with a brief self-introduction? Uh, sure. So, I mean, everyone should know my name now. It's Troy Gary. I'm currently working at Stars and the, on the Originals marketing team. Um, I, I'm never really good at a, a self-introduction, but that's, that's, that's my name. I live in Los Angeles, <laughs> uh, California. Yeah. Okay, um, solid, solid. So, I mean, let, let's talk about your past work experience. I know you're at Stars now, but you actually come from the agency side uh, before you switched over to work for Brand. So, you know, what has your journey been like prior to where you are now? Yeah, the the first thing that I actually did that got me introduced to kind of the ad agency world was I worked at iHeartRadio, and I was actually selling ad space, but. In that, you had to do like a whole bunch of different things. It wasn't just the selling aspect. You had to go out and prospect with all these clients. And, you know, I'm getting to know all these local businesses in Richmond, Virginia, where I'm originally from, and helping them with their media mix. Like, oh, okay, I might be selling you radio, but I can tell you how that fits in with billboards, how that fits in with TV, how that fits in with social media. And I started to fall in love with more of that side of things, but that's not really where the money was, was coming from. So I went to the VCU Brand Center uh, to, to just get some more formalized education from that. And that was like super invaluable in terms of the connections that I made, the people that I got to meet and the doors that it opened for me. Then I went to the agency side, um, starting out at, at Deutsche New York. And that was super cool, you know, just being able to touch many different clients. That's what I've, that's what I love about agency side is you get to touch a bunch of different clients, you get to learn a, diff- a bunch of different things, work across various industries, but ultimately landing where I'm at right now, which is uh, at Stars. I like being on client side simply because you get to see a project from start to finish. I think when you're on the agency side, you, you, know, you give your recommendation and then kind of be like, you're not necessarily on the hook for the success. I mean, you are if they come back, but, um, you know, that, that's kind of been my journey from like the start. Okay. So you, you mentioned that you, you started at iHeartMedia. Um, so that, that initial job at iHeart, did you have goals of working in marketing long-term or was this uh, something that came up from that experience? It's, it's, it's something that came up from that experience. So when I was at iHeartRadio, to be quite honest, I was lost with what I was doing. I went to school for finance. 
And I went to a few interviews, some locally in Richmond, some, you know, in New York and the dreams of like Wall Street. And I was like, this is just not what I see myself doing for 40 plus years. I, I, it's just not true to my personality. And so I was just, I was just really lost. And the job that I ultimately applied for at iHeartRadio was more in the production space, like maybe on air talent. And then I wrote like, I, I used to keep a blog and I ended up writing like a really funny cover letter. And so the, the, the manager at the time reached out to me and was like, hey, I, you know, I haven't laughed as hard at a cover letter. Would you be interested in like uh, working in account management? That's what they call like their salespeople. And so that's ultimately how I got in that space. And I was just lucky to have a job or happy to have a job, really. So I didn't have any true vision for what I wanted to do. But then, you know, you, you meet people as you, as you make moves throughout life. And I, and I ultimately met this guy who needed help with social media, but he was a career coach. And so uh, he was like, OK, I'll pay you with free career coaching if you help me with my social media marketing. And so it was kind of like that trade-off. And one uh, tip that he taught me was find someone at work that you want to be like and just mimic them. Don't, don't go up there and formalize a mentorship. Just like, you know, pay attention to what time they come into the office. Pay attention to what time they leave. Pay attention to the things they focus on. And ultimately, I, I found the person at the office that, that did those things. And it made me start to focus on things that they focused on. So they did focus on you know, the marketing and, and the value add that they were giving to their customers besides just, you know, selling them that radio space. And so that made me say, okay, if this is what I'm in love with now, what are the other doors that I need opened to, to get to that next step? So originally when I, again, when I started at iHeartRadio, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I just, you know, some things, serendipity, if you will, um, just fall into place. And then, and then I, I think I, I landed where I ultimately was supposed to be. I love that answer. What's, what's interesting to me is, you know, something that, that I often preach to people when I, when I speak to like students is, you know, have a, have a goal in mind, but, you know, be prepared to pivot uh, when, when things don't go the way you like, like, for instance, with, with you in finance and how you figured once you were on that road that you didn't like it, you know, you kept an open mind and jumped into media, which led to advertising and, all these things. So yeah, that, that's, that's very interesting. And I think that's, that's a valuable uh, lesson that people can take from that answer is just, just be, be open and, and listen. Yeah. I always try to go with the flow. Exactly. Exactly. So you are currently director of originals marketing at stars. What exactly does that mean? And, and what do you do? So yeah, what that means is what I, what I've gathered. So I've been there since, since January and Really, the originals marketing team are the comparison you can make is like a, a product owner. So the programming team will purchase and the acquisition team will, will like purchase a script. And let's say, OK, we, we, we bought this show. A lot of people are familiar with power, so we can use power as a uh, as an example. So someone on the programming team, they, they buy the show and then the originals team from a marketing perspective, our job is to get people to watch it. And so that's, that's really coming up with the strategy. Um, okay, we want to attract X amount of people. We think that how we'll hit that goal is through this audience type. Here's what this audience type likes. So this is the side of the movie or the TV show that we need to play up. So if we're saying power is for 
urban audiences between 18 and 35. I'm just making it up. That's not necessarily who they are, but we'll say, okay, here's what we do there. And we say, we need to cut a trailer that really speaks to kind of like the grittiness of New York and the hustle that, you know, speaks to those audiences. And then we work in media placements. So, so of course, you know, making sure that the creative shows up in the right places, you know, complex, um, a billboard in uh, Los Angeles, and really just really just owning that project from from start to finish, and working with the other teams, like from social, like, okay, here's the overarching strategy, how does that come to life on social, and then just, you know, PR, what are the shows, and what are the, the, the articles and blogs that we need to be on, and really just like, at a high level management perspective, owning the strategy, owning the audience, and then owning the success of of people tuning in for 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 that first episode and that 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 first week. Wow, that encompasses a lot. So I kind of want to break that down. So like, how how much do you feel your your agency experience helped you in a role like what you're in now? Yeah. So a- agency experience one, it teaches you how to grind. It teaches you how to hustle. Like first and foremost, uh, it teaches you how to learn. Because one thing about an agency is they raise their hand for things. So when you raise your hand for something, whether you know how to do it or not, you got to learn how to do it. And so you, you, you touch a, because you touch a lot of different industries, um, you work with a lot of uh, different teams. It's helped me from a collaboration standpoint, be able to go speak to people who, who don't necessarily speak the native marketing language that I speak and break things down. I think... Um, what I like about uh, coming from an agency too is they're typically on the cutting edge of culture in terms of monitoring, researching, understanding, and being able to bring innovative ways of thinking, innovative like uh, solutions to problems. I think uh, is is something that you learn in an agency setting. Uh, unfortunately, a big problem that agencies have is is ageism. Uh, it's it's a younger person's game, but at the same time, I think we are often getting confused with new ways of thinking as as youthful ways of thinking. But why why I bring that up is because when you when you go to a when you go to a client side, a lot of times they're they're set in stone. They've been institutionalized for you know years, and it's it's this. Sometimes it can be this ideology of this is the way it's always been done. And so with the, having a background of an, an agency, the ideology isn't this is the way it's always been done. It's more of can we do this better? And having that mentality and being able to bring that thinking to, to, to my role now has been super beneficial because we can now start to do more out of the box things than maybe we have traditionally done because you know I'm not subscribing to the oh this is how you guys have done it and become successful over the past you know 25 years well this is how people are doing things today this is how uh culture and consumer is moving now so why don't we try to adapt our processes both internally um and externally so they ultimately reflect um and i and i think that is largely due to you know just how agencies move yeah yeah so like something that i've in my career so far that i've, I've seen multiple times is people from the agency side um, jumping over to client side. And I'm, I'm wondering, you know, after you had your time at Deutsch, you left Deutsch and went to, to Playboy, if, I, if I'm correct. And mm-hmm. my question is like, you know, what was that transition like for you going from working at a full service agency, fast paced, like you mentioned, to then going to such like a historical 
um, legacy brand like Playboy? Yeah, it's it, execution. That, that was the biggest, that was the biggest difference. Um, I think agencies are really good at having specialists. So you have your media strategist, you have your brand strategist, you have your digital strategist, you have your researcher, you have your um, creative team and everything's like, so like uh, uh, boxed and it, and it works for the agency world. And so when I came over to Playboy as uh, a strategist, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking more of a consulting role where you give them the recommendation and then, you know, you hand it off. Uh, it's a baton. You pass the pass the baton is a better way of putting it. Um, but when you go to client side, no, you you really do see it from 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 start to finish. So not only do you sell your idea in, but you ultimately have to implement your idea. So if I'm saying, hey, I think we need to do a shoot with Kalani, I'm I'm just making something up. We need to do a shoot with Kalani. It needs to be about like her top essentials that she needs right now. I have to take that idea, pitch it, and then after we pitch it, then it's not just passing it off to the production team like you would do at an agency. It's you going to work with the production agency yourself, you making everything happen, you being on the hook for the metrics, you sharing out what worked both from a process standpoint and then what worked and what didn't work from a success standpoint. Did we get the views that we wanted? Did we get the sales that we wanted? And ultimately, you know, accountability. Um, I, I think is the biggest thing that not only I had to learn, but I, I welcome now. A lot of people are scared, scared of accountability. A lot of times in a lot of places, the metric is finishing it. Did you get the strategy deck in on time when you said, and was everyone happy with it? Versus did you get that in on time? Did you get it out in the world on time? Did it perform the way it said it would perform? What did you learn? And what are we going to do next time? I think that's, that's the biggest difference um, that I had to learn again it is a long-winded way of saying execution. Yeah, yeah definitely. So, for the, so, so let's, let's say for the student listening now who is a marketing major, an advertising major, they're not looking to go into the ad agency side mm-hmm. of things they're looking to go straight into working marketing at a, at a, at a brand at a company mm-hmm. would you recommend starting at an agency before jumping into the brand side or do you think um you can find success directly going to a brand so that's that's a tricky question because i think it all depends on what 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 they want i think for me one thing that i really enjoy is leadership i i enjoy again having the accountability and making decisions and being held to a standard. And so I always wanted to work client side. And the reason why I went agency side first is just to be quite honest, you get promoted faster in the agency world. And so if you get, if you can rise the ranks in the agency world and then come over to client side at a higher level, then that brand that you're working with, that role that you'll be working in will actually be what your mind thinks it is. So a lot of people might say, I want to work at Nike. But if you're entry level going to start at Nike, it's not going to be the Nike that you think it is because you're not going to be the one in charge. You're going to be, you know, at the at the starting gate. Um, And so if you can tell, like, you know, 
promotions and leadership is, is, is super important to me. So I went with the route that I thought would get me there the fastest. Not only would it get me there the fastest, but I learned the most, the quickest. And when you go client side, it's sometimes it's, it's, a, it's a little harder to grow. Um, you, you know, you, you definitely have to move from company to company. I mean, that's the same in the agency world. I can't, I can't lie about that, but you know, the, the, the rings, you know, you got coordinators, then you got managers, then you got senior, it's like coordinator, senior coordinator, manager, senior manager, uh, director, senior director, vice president, senior vice president. It's like all of these different like layers that you have to go through. And those like, you know, pay differences are super incremental. So there's, you, you can definitely go there if work-life balance is something that you're looking for. I, I don't think it's like, you know, a bad decision. Again, to what I said at the top is just more, it, it depends on what your goals are. If you want to hustle, then go to an agency. If you want to learn, then go to an agency. But if you want to work at a brand and like have more free time, client side is client side can be cushy. Yeah. Yeah. Something that caught my attention about um, your, your schooling is after you earned your bachelor's, you decided to pursue a master's degree um, at BCU Brand Center. And for those that don't know what BCU Brand Center, it's, it's, I'll let you explain actually. Yeah. So the, the VCU brand center, I, I actually, so I went to uh, VCU and again, I studied finance. And one thing that I used to do like once a month on a Monday is go check out different buildings that uh, just the school had. I'm like, shit, I'm giving you all this money and tuition. I, I need to see what else you guys have. And I walked into this building at the VCU brand center and it, it was wildly different than every other building. It looked like a, an entirely different school. It, it kind of felt like what you imagine when you go into Google. And I was like, what is, what is, you know, what is this school? And I found out that it was, it was an advertising school. And I was like, this is super cool. And ultimately why I decided to go there when I was coming from iHeartRadio and realizing that I needed more of a formalized education one is like, should I just go back and get my MBA, right? And then a friend of mine was at the VCU Brand Center and was telling me about it a little bit more in detail and how they work and how they think. And they don't do normal tests, like learn from a, read from a book and then take a test. And it's kind of like pass fail with like A, B, C, D, E, F, G. It's, it's more practical real world learning. So you have real clients. So we had, you know, people like Spotify, People like Coca-Cola, American Express, IBM, you know, uh, Airbnb, all these like big name, cool brands actually coming to the school and giving us real problems that they had. Uh, and we got to work on them and then we got to pitch them and you make your own mini agency. And so my friend was telling me all about that. And it just felt more in line with how I think, how I move. I'm not really good at sitting down and reading a textbook making notes and then going to sit down and, you know, trying to see if I remember it. That's not how the real world works. Like, you know, I will have a calculator with me everywhere I go. When teachers used to be like, you're not going to have a calculator everywhere you go. So I'm testing your memory because that's ultimately what tests are. It's just testing your memory versus like um, whether you can get the job done. And so I thought that was super cool that we got to work on real big name clients that I would want to work for and also real problems that they were going they're going with and hearing feedback on why that would or wouldn't work in the real world. It wasn't theory. 
It was, hey, this is a great idea, but this is why we wouldn't move forward with that in the real world. Or this is great. We actually we actually want to use this. We might take this back. Can you present this to our CMO? This is like really good. So um, it was it was super super beneficial to to my success from you know just a learning a learning perspective and and being able to do what I actually do now in a safe environment. Yeah, yeah. I know a lot of people who listen to the show are are students and you know they're at that point where they're but approaching graduation or recently graduated trying to figure out what they're going to do and graduate school is on a lot of people's list as an option um you know just because you've gone through it and just looking back now like would 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 you do it again um or do you think there are other ways it, that 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 that's that's hard because in hindsight yes and no mm-hmm. and, and what i mean by that is i certainly would do it a hundred times over because the person that i became and the person that I am is largely because of my time in grad school. I think ultimately the difference between me before grad school and me after grad school is, uh, or going to grad school, I was more prepared to learn. I was more ready to learn. I wasn't just going to class like I was an undergrad, not really as focused on my future. And once, you know, the reality hit that shit, I don't know what the hell I'm doing with my life. You know, uh, when you get to graduation, it's like going back to school was just more of a safety net for me uh, than it was I had this ultimate plan to go to grad school. And so the, the focus that it gave me is why I would do it again if I was still that Troy. Now, knowing everything that I know now with, with a lot more focus, I don't think it's necessary. I think there, there are ways that you can break into what you want to break into. I think a lot of what grad school is good for, besides just learning, is the network, the network both that the school has and the network that you have with your fellow classmates. Um, you know, I reach back across the aisle and I'll ask some of my classmates, hey, we're hiring. Do you want a job? They'll do the same for me. Hey, we're hiring. Troy, do you want to work here? And that's a connection that I wouldn't have if it wasn't for meeting them in, in that setting. But then also, you know, we have, we have people in charge of alumni relations that when I'm looking to make the next step in my career, I always reach back to this day. I'll reach back out uh, to the brand center and I'll say, hey, uh, is there anyone that works at this long list of companies that, that, I, that I'm providing? And she said, oh, we have alumni at, at these. Here are their emails. And then I can reach out to them. And so Really, it's all about the connections, but I've also learned that I can make my own connections, right? I think LinkedIn is a very, very, very powerful tool that probably is more underutilized than people realize. And so knowing what I know now and leveraging LinkedIn the way that I do now and the connections that I've made, I don't think I would necessarily need grad school, but, you know, I I personally would do it again just because of, of, of the person that I became. Yeah, definitely. So you you mentioned, you know, reaching back in your network and looking for candidates. Um, When you are hiring, like, let's say an entry level role um, as as a manager, what what are Mm -hmm. you looking for? um, Like what qualities in a candidate uh, are most important to you? For me, being real. I, I, I and I and I can't stress that enough. I've, you know, been fortunate enough to 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 hire people in my career. And the one thing that I look for is, are you presenting the interview version of yourself or are you presenting 
the real version of yourself because I want to work with real people. I, I think that saying about like people hire people that they want to go to the bar with, I think that's so true. Um, and it's not about like going out and drinking with, with people that you're hiring, but it's that, that sense of camaraderie. Do I want to potentially spend late nights in the office with, with, with this person or are they more robotic? Can I not have a connection beyond the work? Um, because at the end of the day, we're, we're, we're all humans, I think. And the, and the, and one reason why I'm like that is because I've noticed that it's been what has worked for me. I remember I had a guy interviewing me and he, he asked me why I had joined a fraternity. And I told him straight up, I was like, do you want my interview answer or do you want my real answer? And, you know, now he's like, of course, I want the real answer. Once you, once you, you know, set the stage like that. And I told him, I said, you know, I felt like I needed to learn how to talk white. I, I feel like, you know, that was what professionalism was and I didn't have that you know I, I knew the way I spoke was wildly different than how they spoke in the movies and and in you know corporate offices and I said I needed to figure out how to do that and figure out what makes the white dudes tick and so I joined a fraternity and and kind of that that helped me and so he loved that answer because it was just real and then you know he went back and raved to me um, in the offices and you know we're still in contact to this day but what that did is when I saw him light up at that, and I was like super nervous that I said that. That's like a, to me a wild thing to say in an interview. Uh, it, but but to see him light up, it did something to me where I was like, okay, maybe this is what I need to look for. If I'm being real, I shouldn't expect anything less um, from my team. And I don't want that to be confused with I hire people who are exactly like me. I definitely hire people who are very different than me. But I can still tell if you're being real, even if you're different. Yeah, I, I love that answer. Um, one of the one of the conversations that I feel doesn't come up enough just because of the lack of is is um, the black experience in an industry like advertising. Um, and one of the reasons why I'm really glad that our our paths cross um, is because. We're, we're rare in this industry, more specifically like black men and strategy roles and advertising. You know, there's no secret that the agency side has had its history of diversity issues from the beginning of time since Mad Men era and beyond. You know, with your experience in advertising um, and of course, you, you jump ship and went brand side. Like what, what does the advertising industry get wrong with with recruiting black talent and retaining black talent, in your opinion? Yeah, I think. You know, it's not just advertising as well as tech, all these like more affluent, historically affluent uh, clubs, if you will. And a lot of the problem is, so I think it's a pipeline issue and I don't think it's just in advertising. It's in tech as well. Um, a lot of these affluent industries that a lot of people just don't have access to the knowledge that they exist. I didn't know about advertising until I walked into the VCU Brand Center's building. And that was just off of sheer luck. A lot of times when I talk to my peers who've been in advertising, they have an aunt or a cousin or a friend, and that's how they ultimately get exposed to it. And so there's not recruitment set in place to go to these other communities they, they 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 stay in their little microcosms and you know if they're used to recruiting from the vcu brand center right the vcu brand center is not 
it's not any different than the ad industry. Like when I, when I look at kind of the makeup of my class, there was what, maybe three black people in my graduating class. And so if, you know, all, let's say all the ad agencies only looked at the VCU brand center, you're going to have a lack of diversity because that pool that you're selecting from historically doesn't have the, uh, a, 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 represented a representation across the the diverse spectrum either and so on one hand it's the pipeline issue um and and the the being exposed and, and getting out of their own way and starting to look at different places and i don't think it's just about going to hire at hbcus either i think it's like you know I, I remember at deutsch i would tell them you know we need to be going to rehabilitation um rehabilitation clinics and and finding people with those experiences especially as a strategist we want as many diverse experiences in the room as we can you know are you hiring like uh vets just just different people with different different perspectives and then the other thing is people do hire people that look like them talk like them act like them and if right now there's a lot of white men at the top there's no uh there's 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 no um it's i'm not i'm not surprised that they're hiring people who look like them act like them and talk like them and so i think that's the other part of 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 the issue it's just that natural bias that that we have because i i'm not gonna lie to you when i'm working with uh black people when i'm working with asian people uh or or any or anyone else they like to hire black people and Asian people and, and things like that. And so ultimately right now with them being at the top, they're hiring people that look like them. I mean, I think that's, you know, excuse my language fucked up, but you know, on one hand, you don't have an influx of people coming in because of the pipeline issue. And then the people at the top are hiring people that look like them. And then that cycle just continues. So they're not going to go hire at an HBCU because they're like, I'm not going to be able to hire people that look like me, talk like me, act like me. And so I think on one, on one hand, we need to change the top. We need to start promoting within. Mm -hmm. We need to understand that. Uh, I truly think people don't understand the power of diversity. I think it's now becoming just a word that we use for representation, but I think these companies and I think companies could grow and really you know be what they want to be if they embrace um more diversity yeah I, I agree I agree but I think at the same time initially me trying to get into the industry is how I was introduced to like the the recruiting problem um but once once I've been in this industry like I, I'm, I've learned that retention is probably more of an issue um, mm -hmm. and I mean, even you you're one who did, who they weren't able to retain, you know? Yeah. Um, a lot of people, first chance they get, they go brand side. Um, so mm -hmm. retention wise, like once someone's in there and they're in the door, you know, what can agencies are do to, to be more inclusive? That's such a, that's such a tall order. Cause, cause I think that is a, that is a huge problem. I think. I think we just need a systemic revamp of office culture. You know, I, I think one thing that has really, really become a small yet big deal to me is like dress code. Mm -hmm. 
I dress differently. I don't like wearing a suit. I don't even think I own a suit. I'm going to buy a suit for a wedding. But you might be alienating my ability to bring my, I hate, I hate the idea of bringing my whole self to work, but like bringing my whole self to work. So if I have to put up a front, I'm not going to be the best version of myself that I can be. So if I can't come into work with my sweatpants and my hoodie on and my sneakers, then I'm not going to be the best strategist for you. And ultimately I'm going to go look uh, somewhere that I can gravitate towards that. I, I know when I ultimately went to Playboy, I had a, a black boss and he was from Chicago, uh, South side of Chicago. And just being able to speak slang dialect with him was so impactful and so powerful to me. And I didn't understand that, but it was like, oh my gosh, I don't have to explain myself when I say like, you know, we, we can make this flip. He knows what I'm saying and that speaks volumes and, and, and I don't have to go into any more detail. I think those small things become big things that we don't realize. And so I think uh, with, with agencies, it's a lot of lip service. It's a lot of, it's a lot of we want to do better, but we're not going to do better. Sure. Uh, and so they, they make you feel good by constantly saying we want to do better. But then once, once the veil comes off your eyes and you realize that they've just been saying that for three years um, every day, but they haven't been doing better, then you start to go look for, for, for places that, that, that do better. And I think it's, it's more than just, it's more than just let's celebrate, you know, black history month, let's celebrate women's history month. Let's celebrate Asian Pacific Islander month. It's more than that. And even those months, they just bring in food. Um, and it's like, you know, understand that from a leadership perspective, if you're in a room, and you guys are working on a project and it's all white people in the room and you notice that there's another person of a background that doesn't necessarily fit the majority that's in that room. As the leader in that room, you should call on that person and give them the opportunity to speak their mind because they might just feel like, well, they're not going to listen to me. If I'm like, I'm just going to use my perspective. If I'm in a room full of all white people and they're trying to talk about, you know, issues i'm gonna be like well they're not really gonna understand you know my perspective unless it's about black then they'll be like hey troy what's your perspective speak for the whole population um but if, if it's just like something that none of us relate to but you know i have a different perspective it's like call call all those people make them feel supported because if you don't then they're not going to feel supported and then that's again on top of all the other issues like wow I can't wear my hair how I want. I can't wear the outfit that I want. I can't talk how I want um, because it's not going to be seen in the professional light that they want it to be seen in. And then you ultimately, you know, go look elsewhere. And then what you see is some Black people are just constantly jumping to find the place that they fit in because they realize once they've been at a place long enough that that place ain't shit either. Mm. So um, I think it's, it's, again, it's a tall order, but... I mean, that can't stop us from, from, from doing things. And I think it's, it's more so, it's not on us all the time. We've been doing it. We've been doing it. We've been saying it. Now it's, 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 it's on them now to, to, to hear us and, and, and make us feel seen. No, I agree. I agree. I think for the longest time they had the excuse of we're trying to do this. We can't find this. We da 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 da. But after the year that we just had and what we experienced, um, and the commitments that all these companies made and 
the pledges and this and that, like at this point, if, you know, it's, it's time for accountability. And I think the problem is either going to get better or it's going to get significantly worse mm-hmm. um, because people are not going to tolerate, um, you know, the, the, the lip service and, and no action, Yep. you know? So I love that answer. Thank you for that. Um, so knowing all that, you know, now, right. Mm-hmm. If you could, if you could go back in time and talk to your college self, let's say first year in college, freshman year, um, what advice would you, would you give yourself? Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, I was a wild boy, uh, <laughs> freshman, freshman year. And I don't, and I don't mean like the typical wild boy. I was, I was into the wrong crowds doing the wrong things and ended up, uh, as a stereotype. If you, if you get what I'm putting down, yeah. uh, but I would, I would say, man, just enjoy life, but have, have some focus, you know, uh understand priorities i think when you're a kid the hardest thing to understand is the future you know you you really have this live in the moment mentality at least i did and i would just i would just tell my my younger self focus on the future and 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 enjoy the day at the same time because it's not about locking yourself into into one specific plan like you know i i originally started off trying to be a dentist. That's what, that's what I went to school for my, my freshman year to be a dentist. And so who knows, you know, where I would have ended up if I would have just kept that focus a little bit on my future. Um, when, when I was a freshman, I, you know, another thing that I would say is you don't know everything. So, um, sit down and shut up is another another piece of advice, um, that I, that I could have, that I could have used, but, I also think, you know, as, as cliche as, as it sounds, and I don't want to sound like, you know, everybody's story ends up in a rainbow, but I do think there's a bit of believing everything's going to end up, you know, just the way it's supposed to be is another piece of advice that, um, you know, I could use to ease the anxiety of just, you know, who I was back then. So I, I think those three pieces of advice is, you know, one, sit down and shut up. You don't know everything one, have a little bit more focus um, on the future and, and setting realistic goals to, to get there and then being able to pivot as, as, as things change. And then ultimately, like, you know, just you don't need to stress out that much because everything is going to work out the way it's supposed to. Love that. Love that. So for the listeners that might want to get in touch with you for some advice or just to say hello, how can, how can anyone reach you? Reach yeah, you can, you can hit me up on email, troygary one at gmail.com you can also uh slide in my dms on instagram troy that boy d-a-t-t um at troy that boy on instagram and then i think might be the same on twitter but don't follow me on twitter i'm crazy (laughs) all right well troy that boy thank you for taking the time to do this i really appreciate it i think listeners are going to get some very valuable uh knowledge and nuggets out of this um Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Sure, for sure. Thanks for having me and thanks for thinking of me. Of course. What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning into this episode. If you want to keep up with us outside of these podcasts, make sure you follow us on Instagram. That's at Academics, A-D-C-A-D-E-M-I-C-S. You can also email academicspodcast at gmail.com for any and all inquiries. Thank you. Class dismissed.